Okay, if you'd all like to, uh, uh, if you've got a Bible, open it to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, I went through part one of this this morning, and uh, now we're going to move into part two. And uh, the verse says, So then, if you are risen with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, reveals himself, you will also be revealed with him in glory. Amen. Okay, so... Set your mind, as it says here, set your mind on the things that are above, not on earthly things. So this morning I was talking about what does it mean to be risen with Christ, and it's to do with the whole thing about baptism, etc. Uh, then seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated, where is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated with him also in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is sat in highest heaven, where? Far above all powers, authorities, you know, principalities and stuff like that, which means that you are also sat there in that position as well. Okay. Um, now, so verse two, set your mind, that's your consciousness, that's your thought life, that's your attention, that's your focus, that's your will, that's your intellect, that's your emotions, that's your mind, and set these things on that which is above and not on that which is below so for example are we fussing and worrying and and gossiping and grumbling and griping and complaining and all this kind of stuff um, or are we being heavenly minded are we being seated with christ in heavenly places now what, what does that mean because you know we've all we've all experienced super spiritual christians right two okay you know so we've all experienced and we've probably i would probably been guilty of it myself back in my early days yes i'm just oh yes yes i just hear can you hear the heartbeat of jesus you know all that kind of stuff it's like chris Stop it. Okay. So set your mind on things that are above. This is, this is not super spirituality. This is not some airy fairy concept. This is something that Paul is living in and Paul is operating in. And he's trying to get the church to understand who she is in Christ Jesus and that she's not of Adam anymore, as in of the dirt, but she is now born. She is heavenly born. She has a body, but she's also born of the divine as well. And that we're one with the divine. Now some people are like, oh, I've never heard that. Where you go down in the Bible? This is what the church has always believed. We are partakers of his divine nature. Yes. That's from the Bible. Okay, we are partakers of his divine nature. And we are, and, we, and Paul is trying to say, come on, guys. You know, run for the price. Focus higher. Look higher. You know, if you don't shoot high, you're not going to, if you don't aim high, sorry, you're not going to end up shooting high, are you? If you're just like, well... Oh, what's the point? I'll never get there anyway. I'm just not going to bother trying. Well, good attitude. You're going to achieve 
nothing with that kind of attitude. And so Paul is trying to say, look, this is who you are in Christ Jesus. Get your mind off your earthly situations. Get your mind off your earthly circumstances and start starting to think of who you are in Christ Jesus to rule and to reign from a heavenly position. Now, there's a thing called kingdom theology. And with all of these theologies, you can go into excesses. So, for example, kingdom now theology states that it's all about now. You know, you can have all the power of heaven on the earth right here, right now. But then there's the other aspect, which is now, but not yet. What do I mean by that? In that God has, we are, have, sorry, we do have the kingdom of God within us. But also the kingdom of God is not yet fully realized until Jesus returns. Well, I'm sure we'd all agree with that. However, when I look in the book of Acts, I see a church that is manifesting the kingdom of God on the earth in a way that's still now but not yet. And that's pretty impressive, pretty powerful stuff. Amen? Amen. And, and that, that's what we call revival. Oh, <laughs> we need revival. If only we could, we could have that. But Paul's like saying, guys, you don't need revival you just need to wake up to what you've got already going on inside of you and start believing it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I said last week that as Christians, we, we, we tend to default to this, what I call flatline Christianity, which is like, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible and I'm every day with Jesus each day. And uh, I know that when I die, I'm going to be out of here. And that's about as much as my faith is going to go. I'm being, I'm being blunt, I'm being honest, I'm being rude, because let's be honest, that's just not good enough. Because why is it just not good enough? You know, I get saved, I'm out of here, I go to glory, but it's not about you. You've been saved. You've got all that you need. What about them out there in the world? You see, you and I form the body of Christ. This is, not a, this is not a bumper sticker. This is not a t-shirt slogan. You are the mystical body of Christ on the earth. You are here. You are Christ on the earth. You have his own Holy Spirit inside of you. So when you go and talk to people and you interact with people, you've got the living God inside of you. You are being Christ Jesus to those people. Now, you are not Jesus, but corporately together, we are the body of Christ. And, and because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, we have this unfathomable um, ability and this unfathomable power of the kingdom of God and the love of God to minister to the needs of people. Now, this morning I was preaching on this and uh, Claire said, come on then, let's go outside then, let's go do it. So we did, didn't we? We went outside. As soon as we got outside, we were like, let me at him! And... It was like they knew. <laughs> the streets were empty. Where the streets have no name. There was just nobody there. But then slowly but surely people started to appear. <laughs> and and we, just, we just started going over to people. And there was one couple. And uh, Claire ran over there first. Because Claire's always the first to you know, get there for the, for the evangelism. And, uh, and, she, and she said, is there anything we can, we can pray for you for? And that, the husband was like, no, thank you. Not, not really interested. I'm fine. No, it's very kind of you, but no, we're okay. But the wife was like, well, actually, I would like some prayer. And she said, I said, what, what do you want prayer for? And then she just started to, to well up. And she said, you know, my brother, he's really ill. Could you pray about that situation? So we just really prayed and just blessed them and stuff. And then the husband, who was, you know, politely anti 
was genuinely touched and he was like, actually, that, that, was, that was really kind. I really appreciate you doing that and stuff. And just in that little one instance, somebody encountered Jesus. It was yesterday I was in the garage. Now, when I go into, the, when I go into places, I, I, you know, what I, this is how I used to be. I just go into like a garage or something. And, oh, I think I'll have one of those bars. I think I'll have a cup of coffee. Um, it's just like background muttering thoughts going on in my head. But now what I do when I go into the garage to get myself a cup of coffee or something, I'm looking at people. And, I'm, and in my mind's eye, I'm seeing them getting saved. And I'm praying for them, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, let your spirit descend on these people, Lord Jesus. Take off the, the veil off their eyes and take off the veil off their hearts, Lord Jesus, that at the right time that they will receive salvation. Because I am a priest of the order of Melchizedek. I have the right and authority from a heavenly vantage point to bring God's kingdom and God's power and God's freedom to wherever I go. And yes, even at a BP garage. And so yesterday, I was in a garage and I was praying for people, but one person, suddenly something changed about this individual and the spirit was like, gave me a prophetic word for this person. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And I just, I just, I just waited the guy and the guy came up to me, he wanted a cup of coffee too, which made it easy. And uh, I just turned around to him, I knew that he wasn't. I said, uh, I said, you're a Christian? He went, no. I said, don't worry, you will be soon. And I said, God wants to say to you that uh, at the right time, you're going to be used by him to plant house churches. And you need to remember this word. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll remember that word. And I left it. And what my point is, I'm not saying this to big me up. I'm saying this is that just through the simple things that we can be Jesus to people. I had a phone call from someone the other day and he was kind of like, you know, it, 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 it was like, what's this, you know, what's this prophecy stuff? What do you mean you can just prophesy over people and things? You know, it's like, where's that in the Bible? And, um, and so, but the thing is, God is always speaking and God's heart is always yearning. And God always wants to do something for somebody. And sometimes it's not crazy stuff. Sometimes it can just be simple things like giving someone some flowers and just saying, I'm thinking of you. Sometimes it can just be a phone call. Sometimes it can just be being there for people. But other times it can be, you know, someone said to me a long time ago, a silent witness is a dead witness. And sometimes you just got to speak up and say something. Sometimes you've got to prophesy. Sometimes you've got to lay hands on the sick and, and, and you know, and pray for them. I remember a guy once again at the petrol station and he was literally walking like this with his bag of shopping. And I just went over to him and I said, are you okay? It was a stupid question really. Are you okay? And I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes, please. And I just prayed for him and he just started bursting out crying and stuff and I helped him. Long story short is he did, he did eventually become a Christian through that with a, and uh, he came to us for a little while and then he went off and became an Anglican, bless him. And uh, I don't know if it was something I said, but, um, but anyway, so, but he, you know, I occasionally bump into him and stuff and he's part of their, um, he's part of the local Anglican church and stuff. But my point is, it's like, we just need to be like Christ to people. Because I tell you what, no one else is. Nobody else. You know, I, when I watch, not that I do, but sometimes I go around my dad's house and they've always got like eat depressed enders on or, um, you know, something like that. And, and then you can always spot the Christian, can't you? 
They're the weirdos in the room. Uh, you know, they're, they're, or or, the, or the, the priest who's sleeping with his girlfriend. I mean, it's just like, oh, for goodness sake, why, when are you going to portray a Christian in a right way? For goodness sake, can you not just try it just once, see what happens? Maybe they get too many complaints. I don't know. But, but I'm tired of the stereotypical, a, a stereotypical Christian that bakes a flan and, uh, you know, and, and eats cucumber, cheese and cucumber sandwiches or whatever. I'm so tired of that stereotype, even though I do like a nice flan if anyone wants to bake me one. Um, and I do like a good cucumber sandwich every now and then. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But, we, but I just want to see that, that image where actually Christians do matter and they do count. So anyway, so set your mind on the things that are above, not on earthly things. And I think... I think it's really a bit of a travesty at times where we're so focused, and that's not belittling anyone that has problems, because Jesus says, man, you're going to have problems in this world. We do have problems. But if we are the only mediators on planet Earth of God's grace and of the kingdom of God, sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own problems that we don't see the bigger problem. And we don't realize that we're the solution to the problem. Because church, you are the solution. You know, you really are. You know, oh, well, you know, I, mm, well, I don't have this and I don't have enough of that. Are, you, are, you out, are, we, like we, are we out of our minds? Are we out of our skulls? Well, I just don't have enough faith for that. Well, it's like Jesus said, I'll give you a measure of faith. I've given everybody a measure of faith, all right? And I'll tell you something now. We are only operating in probably 1% of that faith most of the time. You know, we, we, we don't, we're, we're even worried, even about, I'm being sarcastic, I'm being rude, but we're even worried about believing God to heal a headache. Or I hear Christians get offended when other Christians believe God for a car parking space. I mean, it's like, what kind of faith are we operating in here? Do you know, you might have a problem with praying for a car parking space, but I always pray for a parking space and I always get it in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah, so get praying for a parking space. Right? It's really not that hard. I remember a while back there was this um, someone saying to me it was some event that went on years ago at Furnham Hall and there was some healing evangelist there and, and there was some woman in a wheelchair and uh, he, he just said you know in Jesus name receive your healing the woman got out of the wheelchair but the Christians were offended who does he think he is to tell God to heal that person I was like right, you've really got this wrong you know, God won't do anything that he doesn't want to do. Quite clearly, that person's in cooperation with what God's will is for that person. Otherwise, he wouldn't have healed them, duh. Okay, but people just get so antsy and so offended. Oh, they pray for a parking space. What's wrong with them? You know, it's like we've got to, we've got to go beyond this flatline Christianity. We've got to be heavenly minded and realize that our job is to bring the kingdom of God down here on the earth. You see, Adam, bless him, Adam and Eve, Adam was given dominion, but his dominion only extended as far as the earth. Have dominion over the sea, over the creatures, etc., etc. But then when Jesus came in Mark, sorry, Matthew 28, it says all power and all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. That's good, good for you, Jesus. Right. Therefore, go 
in my name, i.e. in my authority, in the power behind that name, and use my name to make disciples of all nations, to go around, lay hands on the sick, uh, raise the dead, do whatever it takes, cast the devil out of people, and get them into the kingdom of God. But Jesus, we don't cast demons out anymore. We did that back in the 80s, but we stopped doing it now because we're British. There are demons everywhere in Great Britain. But we give it, mm, yeah, some people do struggle with mental illness, but some things are not mental illness. And I'm sorry, but that's just the fact. And I'm sorry if I'm offending people here by saying that. Well, what do you know? Blah, blah, blah. I tell you, I've, I've done enough stuff to know I have seen things with my own eyes that go, this is not mental illness. This is something that is seriously demonic. There are demons in people that need to be kicked out of people. And here's another thing. There's demons in the church as well. <laughs> Not here, that sounds good. Praise God. Set your mind. Set your mind on things above. Let's go to Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. And the reason why we don't believe in things like demons and stuff is because we are so carnal minded that we don't really understand the spiritual warfare. We don't really see things. Um, and that was one of my problems that happened to me. When I became a Christian, I came from witchcraft to Christ. I'd seen the power of the occult. Man, I have seen, when I, in my former life, I saw and done things that would, you know, that, and I'm not glorifying Satan in this, but I need to tell you something. Demonic power is powerful. It can kill people. All right, let's just make that very clear. The power of Satan can kill people. But the power of God is far beyond anything that the enemy can do. But the trouble is, a lot of Christians don't want to even pay attention to that thing over there. They don't want to think that the devil has any kind of power. And as a consequence of that, they live like God has none either. Because unless you know the power of the dark side and the power of what God has and what he is, then you are never going to really operate by a heavenly kingdom mindset because you're not taking God's kingdom seriously because you're not taking the kingdom of darkness seriously because if you really knew if we really knew how bad it really is out there and how powerful the enemy and what he's doing to people's lives if we really got it we wouldn't be in here at the end of this service you'd be like oh, let me go let me go and you'd be out there we'd be out there all the time telling people about the good news about Jesus I beg you, dearly beloved children, by the mercy of God, to give yourselves as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing to God. I don't know why God is telling me to say this, so I'm going to say it. And there's some of you like, what is he going on about? Fine, so I don't care. But God told me a while ago and showed me that there will be these people and they will be known as, and this is for people who are watching this, there will be people soon known as lollards. Okay, Google it. They'll be known as Lollards. And these will be individuals, mostly young men and young women, that will literally devote their lives to Christ in such a radical way that they will almost be like what I would call 
full-on Holy Spirit-filled monks and nuns. They are just so sold out for Jesus and so overflowing with the things of his spirit. These are people, and they won't marry some of these people because they wouldn't, for them, it would, what, ha- what they have is too precious. Not that, that marriage is any, something less and you can't know God just as intimately through marriage because you can, but these individuals, and they're going to be known as lollards, they're going to be these Holy Spirit people that are just so full on, that have said, have literally laid down their lives as living sacrifices for the living God and say, God, I am literally going to give you my life. And, and you see, when I, was, when I was young and I was a teenager, you know, I'll just say this to you guys, you know, one of the things that came across my mind all the time was, yeah, but Jesus, I want to get married. Jesus, I want to get married. Jesus, please don't come back just yet because I want to get married. Okay. That's really not the right mindset. Okay. God's patient. God's gracious. And he held off just for me. No. And uh, he's, he's, he's really kind. He's really, really generous. But, but, but here it says, I beg you, dearly beloved, by the mercy of God, to give yourselves as a living and holy sacrifice pleasing to God. That is the kind of worship for you as sensible people. This is, this is what God requires, that we just lay down our lives for him. And for some of us, that might be a high calling. It might be that you have to lay down everything for him, lay down your dreams and your aspirations. But I'll tell you something now. If you pay the price for Christ and you sacrifice yourself on that altar, God will make sure that you are rewarded for it. That's a fact. Now, that goes against some kinds of theology. Like, what are you saying? You're saying, I can have more grace and favour in God if I, if, I, if I yield myself over to God more? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because I have, I have the last 40 years of Christendom to look at and I know what it's like for what I call normal flatline based Christianity and what happens to those people that really give up everything that they have and they are for Christ and what God does through them. This is a challenging message, right? And I'm not here to be horrible to anybody. I'm here to say, like Apostle Paul saying, come on guys. Let's work for a better resurrection. Let's, let's be not be carnal mind. Let's not worry about the phone bill. Let's not worry about, about the latest, uh, oh, you know, I like that haircut. Oh, I wonder where did she get that done from? Oh, that, the latest mobile phone, all that sort of nonsense. For goodness sake, let's get our heads on what's going on in heaven. Lord Jesus, show me what's going on from up here. Show me what your will is. Show me what your plans and purposes are. Show me, Lord, as a high priest, not a high priest, but as a priest, what I can do unto you, Jesus, that I can minister your kingdom and your grace grace and your power unto these people on this earth that's being heavenly minded the, 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 the church in her mindset goes from an earthly mindset to a heavenly mindset we wouldn't play such seeker sensitive games I don't care who comes in this building I am not going to play games to be seeker sensitive I will not do it because church is the kingdom of God. It's the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to dumb it down just in case there's someone in here. Well, Chris, if you get visitors, surely you want to pick. I do. But I'm not going to play the culturally relevant game. I'm not going to play. Let's just dumb it down just in case, just in case, just in case. We are the church and we need to up our game. And that means sometimes it has to be hard preaching, hard teaching, so that we can get ourselves out of where we're at and get to that place where Jesus needs us to be. 
Now, when I say seeker sensitive, I'm not saying that we don't be evangelistic. But what I'm trying to do here today is I'm trying to help us to believe. Help us believe that we're more than we are. So that actually people don't need to come in here to get saved. You and I, we go out there and get people saved. So this building isn't a seeker sensitive club. Actually, we get all Holy Ghost filled and fired up and we take what we have and we take it out to them. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Don't wait for them to come to church. You go out into the world and make disciples. It's a commission. Hallelujah. So, don't let yourselves be shaped by the world where you live, but rather be transformed through the renewal of your mind. Now this word here, transformed in the Greek, is the Greek word metamorpho. I'm sure I've said this a thousand times, but it's only used twice in the New Testament. Once when Jesus was transfigured, and the other time is here. So what it literally means in the Greek, uh, and this is technically impossible, it means to go from one thing, say like a book, into another thing. Ladies' handbag. Okay, so, so what it means, metamorpho, it means to completely transform and turn into something else that's completely of a different nature. It's like a bird turning into a tree. That's what it's saying here. It's saying be so radical in your transformation that you're no longer an earthly-minded individual, but you are now a heavenly-minded individual, going from one degree of glory to another, to another, to another, to another, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the glory of God is within us. And Jesus says in the Gospel of John that, Father, the glory you give to me, I give to them. God's glory is on the church, and the church needs to believe that. And the church needs to know that we are assigned to the powers and principalities in heavenly places and sometimes Jesus is wondering what is the message that the church on earth is sending to the powers and principalities how is the church on the earth showing them in the heavenlies the evil angels the bad guys up there just how powerful God is that is our calling our calling in our personal home, our own personal lives is to be a people who are prayerful a people who are pious that is in being set over to holy things in God, that we love Jesus, but also that together we are a force to be reckoned with because Jesus said, man, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, I always read that as in uh, the, the gates of hell won't succeed in giving us a hard time. That's not what it means. It's the other way around. It's the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against us. So when we march on the gates of hell, where most Christians would rather avoid it, if we're going to march into the gates of hell, they will not prevail against us. I remember once when I, 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 Tracy took me on holiday and um, I, I got out of the car and something just immediately, like my little, little senses, something wrong here. And I looked over the road and I saw someone. My spirits went, she's a witch, right? wasn't how she looked, it was just like, she's a witch. And I saw another one, she's a witch, he's a witch, he's a witch. And I was like, hang on a minute, where am I? And uh, we were in Witchcraft Central of Great Britain. I can't remember the name of the place off the top of my head. Tracy didn't, it's like Glastonbury. Tracy didn't realise <laughs> where she booked up. We just like, oh, it was just a nice little camping spot down the road. Let's go to town. And so as we went to town, it was like, 
uh, this place is seriously dark. But the question then which, which I was left with was, as a Christian, would you avoid that place like the plague? Or would you move there? Oh, yeah, because that, that raises some really, because let's be honest, most Christians be like, you know what, as a piece of real estate, I'm going to avoid there. I'm not going there. Okay, I want to go over there where it's nice and people are nice and warm and friendly. But actually, we've been called into darkness. We've been called out of it, but we've been called into the darkness to show the light. You know, Jesus is the perfect example. Listen to this. God is altogether holy. He is altogether transcendent, beyond our understanding, and transcends the laws of time and space. He is beyond anything we could ever dare think or even imagine. And he is holy. So, so holy that no sin, no darkness can come near him. And in him his pure light, and no, no varying of shadows are in him. He is pure light. Hallelujah. And then that holy God decided to take on weak, frail, human flesh and come into this dark world with all of our filth, with all of our muck and all of our sin. <laughs> and some Christians are like, do, 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 do. don't want to get my feet dirty. Don't want to get my feet dirty. I don't want to go over there because they might make me dirty. I don't want to touch this. I've got to have a shower. I've got to have a shower. But Jesus, when he came into the world, he got right into the darkness. He got right into the muck. And when he saw demons, he cast them out. And when he saw the dead, he raised them. And when he saw the sick, he thought, this is of the father, the devil. And it says in Acts 10, 38 or 10, 36, how Jesus was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Hallelujah. And that, he's gone now, he's in heaven, all right? We don't know when he's coming back, but in the meantime, until he comes back, guess who's doing, guess who's got to be little Jesuses? All of us. Jesus is the perfect example. He went into the dark places and he got people saved and healed and delivered. But he was never earthly minded. He was never, oh, what do you think, Judas, to this Roman occupation and all the politics of the day? Jesus never talks about it, never mentions it. The disciples bring up, oh, Jesus, is this the time when uh, you will hand over the keys of the kingdom so that the Romans can... No, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. He's not interested in that answer. He doesn't want to get into the politics of the situation. Not that politics are wrong for Christians, but he's not being worldly minded. He's got a heavenly perspective and he's got a heavenly calling. And the will of his father is far more important than him getting married. Hallelujah. And the will of the Father is far more important than, where am I going to get my next car from? And, uh, oh, who's going to do my hair? My hairdresser's gone. What am I going to do? You know, we've just really got to get off this and move up to a higher level, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what are we going to do, saints? So Monday morning, when you're in the garage, all right? Okay, because some of you will be in the garage getting your fuel. Don't be carnal-minded. Just put the fuel in. Just pay for the fuel. And just go. Look around you. Look at the lost. Start praying for them. Pray that God saves them and stuff. And in the process of doing things, be kind. You see someone needs prayer. Pray for them. Yeah, some of them might run away. They will. They will actually run away. I've, I've prayed for people that have literally ran away from me. But, it, but then there's those that don't. Do we run and pray after them? No, that's not a good idea. If you, if you run after them, that's, you've probably taken it too far then. 
But Jesus is longing for his church. So we're longing for revival, but Jesus is like, guys, you've got everything you need. And so I think personally, a lot of revival is really renewal when the church begins to get a revelation of who she is in Christ Jesus and when she understands it. And when corporately, instead of one or two individuals, which it always seems to be about, when corporately the church gets it, that's when God moves in power. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Lord Jesus, I pray. Lord, that you will challenge us, that you will stir us up, Lord Jesus, that you will shake us from our apathy, Lord Jesus. And let us understand, Lord God, that the only people that's going to be Jesus is us. Because you are seated in heaven and you've commissioned us to do your, do your work. Lord, help us in our weakness. Help us to be strong. Encourage us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room today that you give us divine opportunities this week. That we come back next week and say, you know what? I did this. I did this. I saw this. Even the demons were subject to the name of Jesus. I saw this and I saw that. Lord, give us good testimony, Lord, to encourage and mobilize your church to know who she is in you and to do the mission that you've called us to do in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.